Good morning. It's good to be back with all of you once again. Today we're going to be looking at one of those classic Christmas texts. Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. Matthew doesn't give us a lot about the birth of Christ, but it's a great summary in this particular text. Hear now the word of God. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. Here ends the reading of God's word. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we gather in this place and we worship you. We bless your holy name. We thank you for your goodness and grace in our lives for being the sovereign creator of heaven and earth and the God who has loved us and redeemed us through your son, Jesus. We dedicate these few moments to you and pray, O oh Lord our God, that you would speak to us from your word, that you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see, for Lord, we need to hear from you. We need to hear words of life and truth and hope. So give us ears to hear and eyes to see, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, picking up where we left off with the kids a few minutes ago, I will admit that I am one of those who enjoys the parade. I enjoy uh, the various activities and festivities that are associated with the Christmas season, all the decorations, the songs, the gift-giving, and everything else as we celebrate the coming of Christ. But more than that, over the years, Christmas become, has become a deeply meaningful season. One that has taken on new dimensions of joy, of celebration, and most of all, hope. But it hasn't always been that way. Let me explain. <clears throat> For many years, I had actually become deeply troubled by Christmas. Especially when I would look around and I would see so many people 
who were themselves in trouble. People who were sick, grieving, poor, lonely, or whatever. You can look around the world and see so much evil and violence and injustice. And we're facing many of the same kind of circumstances today in our world with social unrest and pandemics and economic collapse and on and on it goes. So you look around and you see all of this and I think to myself, how does anybody really celebrate Christmas? How do we do that in the midst of all of this? Now it really hit home to me many years ago in a way that impacted my entire outlook on Christmas and Christianity itself. It was actually my very first Christmas in the ministry. It was at a church in Virginia. And my family had come down from Michigan, which is where we're from, and they were visiting. And we were all going to go that afternoon to uh, Williamsburg, Virginia, and we were going to have dinner at the King's Arm Tavern there. But before we could get out of the house, the phone rang. Of course, answered the phone, picked it up, and it was one of the women in our church, mother, wife. And she had a very desperate sound to her voice. She asked if I would please come over to the house that her husband, Bill, was just not waking up. And so uh, I went over. Everybody was downstairs. They were waiting for him to come so they could open up presents, uh, Sarah and the, th- and the three kids. Went upstairs into the bedroom, and it was very evident after a very few minutes, Bill was never waking up. He had passed during the night. And of course, that was a very difficult, difficult time for the family, for all of us. Just an absolutely heart-wrenching experience. It really shook me up. And I began to think that Sarah and these kids would never be able to celebrate Christmas again. Because every single Christmas would be a horrible anniversary of what had just happened. The thing is, next year, when Christmas came around, on Christmas Eve anyway, I was standing at a graveside doing a funeral with a grieving family. And the very next year, did the same thing. Now, of course, none of this is unusual. This is the world we live in, and it doesn't change just because it's Christmas. There are still wars and terrorism and violence, and people get cancer, and people die, and people are living alone, and people lose their homes. There's all sorts of things that are happening. It doesn't change just because it's Christmas. But I still find myself sometimes asking the question, so how does anybody celebrate it? How can it have any meaning or joy for them, or for any of us for that matter? And I would hear people say, fairly frequently it seemed, when something bad would happen, someone would die or tragedy or whatever, lose their job, whatever, and I would hear people say, isn't it a shame that it had to happen at Christmas? Have you ever thought that or heard that yourself. Isn't it a shame that it had to happen at Christmas? And that's when it hit me. That was the turning point. For so many, Christmas had become merely a traditional and sentimental holiday. 
where for a few weeks we seem to try and escape the world's realities. And we try to generate feelings of happiness and goodwill, trying to remember Christmas's past, though many of us would just as soon forget a bunch of them. We try to enjoy family and friends, uh, but not everybody's got them, or at least in a positive way. We try to celebrate snow, if you happen to live in the limited parts of the world that get it, and why that's become a positive thing, I don't know. Uh, anyway, but all of these things that we've begun to, to, to do to celebrate Christmas, we try to look at the, the good side of life and do all we can to ca- capture this, this Christmas spirit. Problem is, many people fail at this attempt. And some have given up altogether. All this Christmas cheer can seem so hollow and vain against the backdrop of the real world. It can actually, for some, feel like the most depressing time of the year, and a lot of people just try to get through it. And so there are many times when I would hear Andy Williams saying, it's the most wonderful time of the year. And it would make me cringe, because for so many it was not. To me, the traditional and sentimental and commercial celebration of Christmas can actually seem to stand in cruel mockery of those who are in pain, who are poor, who are lonely, who are sorrowful. And again, these things don't go away just because it's Christmas. Now, I don't mean to be so cynical and negative here this morning. I'm not here to pour cold water on your Christmas celebrations and send you home miserable. But all of this does remind me of that song that's been called the Christmas Dirge. Uh, Are any of you familiar with the Christmas Dirge? It's just a very short song. I'll sing it for you. It's not a song that needs to be sung well. But it goes like this. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Sin and sorrow everywhere. People dying in despair. Merry Christmas. Isn't that awful? It just is so cynical and hopeless and depressing. But there's some truth to it, too. It can actually be very helpful. It has, for me, in some ways, the same impact as that statement, isn't it a shame it had to happen at Christmas? But like I said, that's when the lights went on. Because it allows us, these, these things, these realities, these things allow us to even force us to strip away the sentimental veneer that we have put over Christmas and see its significance in a new, refreshing, and deeper way. Because it's exactly here at this point, in the midst of ours and the world's struggles, its pain, its misery, and its heartache, that Christmas has meaning and significance. In other words, Christmas is for those who are in misery or pain. That is the whole point of Christmas. It doesn't seek to escape from 
but it speaks directly to the harsh realities of life. People have often accused Christians and Christianity of escapist fantasy, such as my own father. And they have often rejected Christianity and Christmas as a result. But I think it's actually the opposite. I believe it's the secular, sentimental, commercial celebration of Christmas that is escapist fantasy. And it misses the point of the gospel altogether. And as a result, for so many people, it does not provide the hope, the peace, and the joy that we all sing and celebrate about and that everybody wants and needs so much. And it can leave people feeling so empty. In complete contrast to this, there's a phrase in the Christmas carol, O Holy Night, that beautifully captures and expresses the hope that is Christmas. And you're going to get to sing these words in just a few minutes. But listen to them. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope. A weary world rejoices. For yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. That is Christmas. A thrill of hope. That's what it's all about. That's why we can proclaim peace to men and sing joy to the world. Christ, the light of the world, is piercing the darkness and bringing light and life and hope. Listen again to the words of another Christmas carol. You know, these old hymns, they really seem to get it so much more than a lot of contemporary music. It came upon a midnight clear. And ye beneath life's crushing load, whose forms are bending low, who toil along the climbing way with painful steps and slow, look now. For glad and golden hours come swiftly on the wing. Oh, rest beside the weary road and hear the angels sing. Just captures what it's all about so well. Hope for a broken and weary world, for the hurting and for the lost. It means that God has seen this world in all of its sin, all of its brokenness, all of its pain, and he's come near to us in Christ to do something about it, to bring forgiveness, to bring healing, to bring new life. And how does he do this? Well, it's embedded in this text, in Matthew 1. The names that are given to Jesus point to exactly who he is, what he has come to do. You will call his name Jesus. Not because it sounds good. Not because your mom or dad had that name, or your uncle or aunt or grandfather or whatever, because this is who he is and this is what he'll do. He will save his people from their sins. Here's the core, the hope 
the message of Christmas. That God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That God shows his love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And he says, don't be afraid for I bring you good news of Great joy, he tells the shepherds, for to you, to you to this, this night in the city of David is born a Savior who is Christ the Lord. There is a thrill of hope. This is the Son of God who has came to seek and to save the lost. This is the Son of God who has come not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This saying is true and worthy of full acceptance, we're told, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. This is the message. Jesus came not just to inspire us to be better people. He didn't come just so that we could try to make this world a little bit better. He didn't come as just a prophet or a teacher or anything else. He came as a Savior. He came to address the most basic core issue and need of our lives. The source of all the problems. The disease, not just the symptoms. He is the vaccine that everybody has been waiting for. He has come to address our sinfulness. Our selfishness to others, our foolishness, our rebellion against God, all of this that's at the core of our personal and world's problems. This is the root. And at the cross, Jesus deals with them. He pays the penalty for our sins. He dies and suffers in our place. He takes the judgment upon himself that is intended for us. He endures the wrath of God. He is alienated and cut off and cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He goes through all of that so that he then rises from the dead and he says, Now you instead can have life. I have paid the price. I have won the victory. And now those who put their trust in me, who believe in me, can have life. Forgiveness of sins, be in a relationship with the living God, and have eternal life. And this is the message of the gospel. This is what Christmas inaugurates, and this is frankly why I'm in the ministry. Because Jesus has had this impact in my own life, and I believe that he is the hope for the whole world. That's why we sing and celebrate. That's why we put up the lights. The Savior has come. There is hope. The cavalry has come over the hill. The vaccine has arrived. Your sins can be forgiven. We can be reconciled to God. Our relationship to Him can be restored and we can find real change and new life. And on top of that, if that weren't enough, he is called Emmanuel, which means God with us. The gospel is the good news of God's forgiving grace and restoring his presence with his people through Jesus Christ and inviting us to be reconciled to him and inviting us to once again enter into a relationship with the living God himself, the relationship for which we were originally intended, the relationship for which you were created, is now possible again.
So the real issue for us this Christmas, as it is for any, is Jesus, Jesus to you. Is he Emmanuel to you in an abiding, eternal, and life-changing relationship? One illustration of this is another couple, Javier and Tanya. And these are people who, when the economy collapsed in 08, experienced the grace of God. Javier and Tanya had always been hardworking people, very productive. But when the economy collapsed back then, the businesses in which they worked began to struggle. And his small construction company and her beauty salon both were closed. They were devastated emotionally and financially. In the midst of their despair, a friend reached out to them with a wonderful gift. He told them about his church that was offering food for Thanksgiving. And so they went and got food. And their need was so desperate that they made this food intended for one holiday meal to last for an entire month for them and their three children. Javier remembers with a chuckle, I wasn't really looking for church. I'd never been to a Christian church before. Tanya was a confirmed atheist, so church and God were not even on our radar. But they wanted to understand why people would give such a gift. So they visited the church. They met the pastor. They began to get to, they began to, get to know some of the people And Javier says their love was so affirming, they were so welcoming, I was hooked. Over time, Tanya and Javier came to understand the gospel, and they committed their lives to Christ. Their circumstances didn't improve. As a matter of fact, they got worse. They lost their home and had to move in with relatives. Javier's mother died from cancer, and Tanya was stricken with a brain hemorrhage. Yet Javier and Tanya grew stronger and stronger in their faith. Javier says, coming to know Christ, it's like God was preparing me for all the hard things that were to come. So now, today, Javier is part of a citywide council that oversees this holiday outreach. Their family situation is stabilizing. They now rent their own home. They have found part-time work. They are looking back over the past years of difficulties, and Javier says, we have been so blessed. God has made such a difference in our lives, and we are now able to make a difference in the lives of others. We are so grateful. So I ask you, this Christmas, is Jesus, Jesus to you? Is Jesus Emmanuel to you? Have you gone to God personally and directly asking him to forgive your sins because of Jesus and to be with you in an abiding, eternal relationship? Again, I refer you to words of a classic Christmas carol, O Little Town of Bethlehem. O Holy Child of Bethlehem. Descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin 
and enter in, be born in us today. We hear the Christmas angels, the great glad tidings tell. Oh, come to us. Abide with us. Our Lord, Emmanuel. Would you make that your prayer this season? Don't miss the circus. Christmas really is, it can be, the best time of the year because it is a time of hope, of joy in the midst of a world that can be so hard and full of pain. And so if you are hurting, if you are stressed, if you're grieving, if you're lonely, if you're facing an uncertain future, if you're scared and worried, if you're freaked out by the things that are going on in the world, then you have extra special reason this year to rejoice. Christmas is especially for you. And Sarah and those kids to this day celebrate Christmas with a vigor that few of us have. Because for them, Christmas has become a celebration of hope, not an anniversary of tragedy. It is like Christmas now is right in the face of pain and destroys it. And for those of us who have found this hope and this new life in Christ, like Javier and Tanya, Christmas becomes a call to action to bring this hope to the world in both word and deed, not just to enjoy it ourselves. And that's why we sing, Go Tell It on the Mountain, that Jesus Christ is born. My desire, my hope is that all of us will encounter Jesus again in this Christmas season in a deeper and more refreshing way than ever. And that as you go back into the real world of your lives, the same hope and joy that the shepherds had will burn in your soul. Because we're told in Luke 2.20 that the shepherds went back to their routine dreariness. They went back to their harsh poverty. They went back to the cold nights of their lives, glorifying and praising God. So go out. Put up your lights. Sing the songs. Decorate your trees. Give the gifts. Celebrate and rejoice. Jesus has come. He is God with us. Father, what can we say? This message, this reality of Jesus and the gospel really goes off the charts. It's beyond our capacity to really grasp. It's hard for us to express in words what you have done, but somehow it sinks into our souls and we get it. So thank you. And Lord, please help us to respond in humility and love this year, but also to rise up and rejoice, to embrace the hope, to proclaim it to the world. And we ask this in Jesus' name.
Amen.